What does it take to become an elite 40K player? How do the top competitors overcome bad dice? The Competitive 40K Network presents Art of War Unbroken. Insight into the game plans of the top players on the planet with your hosts, Blake Law and the Art of War Coaches. Hello and welcome to Art of War Unbroken. Champions may lose, but their spirit remains unbroken. I'm your host, Blake Law. This is some episode of our show. I'm not sure where we're at, and we are very happy we're able to join you today. They say we learn the most from our mistakes. That is exactly what this show aims to do. We're going to interview an elite player who has lost one to two games at a major event. But that's not what we're doing today. We're flipping the script. We're doing it all in one take. We're doing part one, part two, all here right now. What we're doing today is what I would call an educational, informative episode. We're going to be talking with two top-level, what I would call professional players, and we're going to be talking about how they look at an overwhelmingly changed meta and how they adapt moving forward. The last month, we have seen some of the biggest changes we have seen in all of Ninth Edition. Every faction got mixed up. Everyone's army is completely different. And we're going to talk about how you can adapt as a player to a new meta. In the beginning of the episode, we're going to talk about some big overviews, the player's mentality. We're going to talk about how they see the meta kind of going and how they plan to go with that meta. And in part two, we're going to talk about the new secondaries, the new missions, and just a little light touch, a little overview of what they think is going to be competitive in that regard. Joining me today is my co-host, Mr. Fantastic. He's been playing the game since 1961, and he is the Pog champion from the mid-80s. He was slamming back then. He's slamming now, Mr. Brad Chester. Slamming? You know, I'm going to say that you are incorrect on that. I think it is not just one of the biggest changes. It is the biggest change in oh, night for sure. edition. For sure. There's, there's never been more of an more of a bigger overhaul like everything got changed every faction got touched in some way and the meta just got turned on its head and i'm pretty excited to talk about it you should see the rude gesture brad this did <laughs> uh, i wish you all could see it but i, I can't show you <laughs> our guest today he's here he is doing his accomplishment this is his lifelong dream to be the first three-peat guest on unbroken so here he Ooh, is God. he is absolutely killing it this season He's been floating around number one in the ITC since the dawn of 2022, Mr. Tom Ogden. Yo, what's going on, guys? I just want to add something onto that real quick. You guys talked about the new overhaul. For me, it's like we got a new addition without an addition. It's that big of a change. Oh, yeah. It's like they took, you remember when they did that like points book, like right at the start of one of the, like sixth or seventh or something, and it took all the points and just got rid of all the rules and just like redid everything. It's almost like that. Yeah, 8th edition, the Index Armies. Yeah, I touched him briefly for that, and I was like, I don't know what's going on. And I, that's kind of where I am now. I'm I'm right there with most of our listeners. Some of the people who maybe are a little more casual or, or competitive players who have been out of the game for a month, you get back in and you go, whoa, what happened? Where am I? Uh, who is this? <laughs> so uh, that's why we're here. That's why you guys are going to help walk us through. Tell us how you feel. Tell us how when you see a big change like this, you adapt and keep winning. So Brad, start us off. What do you think? I think it's a big deal to not overreact to anything and look at how the changes affect your secondary game, how you're going to game plan, but also look at how it affected everyone else. Because a lot of times everybody focuses on, oh no, my army got more points nerfs or this changed. You, but right now, everybody got changed. You know what I mean? So tons of armies got brought down, some armies got brought back up. But the general way the game changes is 
you have to look at it and just keep adapting. You can play the same faction a lot of times and stay with it. You just have to adapt with your your game plan and your play style. So, and that starts with points. How am I going to score points? And I think that everybody doesn't focus on that right away. They start going, oh no, my my points went up, so I can't possibly play this faction anymore. Just take take a breath, chill out, and and figure out. Just take the baby steps of okay, what changed? What do I need to adapt to now? How are you scoring? Yeah. Brad, before we get too deep in the episode, I actually have a question for you. From this update, what would you say is your MVP? And what army <laughs> What army in the meta is on the chopping block for players? Uh, you know what? Army's on the chopping block. Sorry, IG. You still haven't got a codex. <laughs> <laughs> However, you know who's MVP? Holy crap, sisters are good right now. Oh, dude, yeah. They just, they've been giving us some, they needed it. They needed best it. Best secondaries by far. They got the best secondary overall. But the biggest thing that happened to sisters is to the last and stranglehold no longer exists so people can't play passive games against sisters while sisters can play passive games against them so basically maybe necrons can also play a passive game but everybody else has to now engage they can't just take strangle to the last and sit there and score 30 points you have to actually do something you have to take engagement type of secondaries and sisters are just sitting there going hey good job i'm taking banners i'm defending the shrine i'm doing leap of faith i'm gonna score a 97 uh feel free to come on over here and stop that from happening so you have to come into their puncher zone man they're, they're probably the best army inside 24 inches yeah i come into the nunnery near the nun house the dark angel stall list also can play passive right now yes Trevor defiance oath and a couple other things you can do there my boy sasha yeah, they can, that army works, but the thing is, is, I think that you can break up their game a little bit, so you can make like ninja runs in there and break that up, and then go back to doing nothing. Yeah, Tom? if you can get and take over their objective, then yeah, you can break it up. But you have to be pretty aggressive, and it's a hard army to go aggressive. Tom, I'm gonna I'm gonna pose the same question to you. What's your opening kind of? What's your first initial plan when you see a big change like this? How do you adapt? Exactly what Brad just said. Like, you don't want to overreact. Like, for example, like I've been known to play Tau this season. It's the only army I played in tournaments. I had a bazillion people message me day one. I didn't even get to see all the changes day one because I was so busy at my job. Had a bazillion messages. I had people trying to link me to the Art of War video. Guys went on telling how like I think the quote was nuked from orbit was what Tau was. <laughs> And the thing is, like, I, I, I'm not going to take anyone else's opinion or what they think about my army. I took a minute. I, I read my army. I read the new way the game played. And, and just figure out, like, understand, like, this is why I think the biggest mistake people make when they're making armies is they try to play, like, an internet list or, or someone else's army that's you do well. They don't fit their style. I knew Tau still fit my style and how I wanted to play. So uh, I looked at how I wanted to, what I wanted to run and could it could it still live in this new meta and, and for right now the answer is yeah but like Sweet. look at that look at secondaries and then also check what other how other armies been buffed i'm not too worried about what got nerfed i'm worried about what got buffed because if if i felt strong against armies that got nerfed already and they went down great i'm already better off but what are, what are these stealth upgrades and these these you know these like for example scissors tr- drastically different it used to be a laughable match against tau now it's a hard match so it's just you know look at how the, the meta changed and uh my MVP, honestly, I, I love the CP change. Ooh. I love the fact that oh. uh, we have one CP. I, I thought we were friends. I, I think it's healthier for the game. I think you're going to see a lot less first turn alpha striking. Uh, turns where you see someone go first and they blow eight or nine CP and just absolutely obliterate half the opponent's army. Can see a lot less that. Can that still happen? Absolutely. But on a lot less scale and much more manageable. So, you know, a lot of lists we're seeing being made right now and by a lot of the top players are starting with one. Or zero CP is the most common CP you see starting with now. Hmm. And even though you're getting 
you know, if you, if you go first, you're only, if let's say you start with one CP, which is like the best that's on the top list out there, you only have one CP or two CP on turn one now. The combos used to be pull off is a lot harder. You have to kind of bank that CP and, and try to pull them off in turns three, four, and five now. I think it's interesting that we talked about, you know, Admech, the return of Admech, you know, but a lot of Admechs, like crazy jank and stuff, you know, required some, it was a little CP hungry almost. It's more, it's buff intensive though. I don't think that their CP is as much with that. The thing is, is I, I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm not like a combo mojo player. You know, I'm looking to kind of grind games out in that. So I was never want somebody to dump all my CP right away. I'm looking for that long game. My thing is, is that I don't like the fact that I'm limited in how I want to build my army. That's the only thing I don't. I don't mind less CP during the game. I actually don't care about that. What I care about is the fact that it, a lot of armies can't be different now because of the the CP limitations. Yeah, but at the same time, on, on the flip of that coin, yeah, I think that it's a lot harder to abuse certain combos now with the limiting. So, sure. yeah, it's, 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 cool. it's give and take. I mean, it just, I want to be more individualized in my army, I guess, because we did lose eight CP. You know what I mean? Lot. It's a big deal. Well, we actually gained a CP through the length of the game. You just lost it all at the beginning. Right. So you can't do your, you can't do your pregame stuff as well. Yes. I want to take a step back for a minute, and I want to talk to you guys, because the, the question was really, you know, how do y'all prep for something like this? And I want to know from pen to paper to your brain, how did you look at this update, and where did you start? How do you as a player kind of sit down and process it all? It's a big deal, man. You know, one of the biggest things, and Tom hit on it right away, don't just take a net list or say whatever. Look at units, especially units that got point buffs you know what i mean that went down in points and stuff like that it doesn't matter if somebody tells you that a unit's bad put it on the table if you like a unit or you have sweet painted models you know if you're a model like yourself don't let anybody else tell you that you're not allowed to do something like when tom literally when tom first started making his his tower army they were everybody was like oh you can't play like that it's not gonna work you don't have enough defense and then he flatlined everybody <laughs> for, for six months straight <laughs> so you know what i mean like well maybe it does work you know what i mean so that's my whole thing is that put your put your own ideas on the table maybe you play differently than other people you know what i mean maybe you want certain types of units and if it's the same battlefield role and a lot of times i mean i do a lot of idiot spreadsheets with you know points efficiency and stuff like that so look over the things that are point efficient and go well why aren't people using this if it looks like it's an efficient unit make your own decision on that i mean you can be guided by that you know what i mean especially if you're limited in time but don't let anybody tell you that you you can't put something on the table you know what i mean just you throw a bunch of people that tell you they're not allowed to do stuff and just go ahead put your models on the table get your own data because it, a lot of times, you know, I'm playing a game with Tom and what happens is maybe my idea is dumb. However, but 10 or 20% of that idea is a hidden gem that I would never would have found if we didn't put the that on the, you know, if we didn't at least try things. That's how you innovate. That's how you get ahead of the meta is you try things. They're not always going to work, but that's the whole reason that you play games, you test. I'll tell you that, I mean, I'm not, I'm not like the top tier player or anything, <laughs> but the way that I approach a lot of when I look at a new book, is I, I open up the book, like, like let's say I just opened up the night book like two weeks ago and I sat down and I hadn't looked at anything <laughs> and I made a list, right? I looked at what did I think was good after I read the book. And I made a full list and I thought of all the combos that I would use with it and all that. And then I pulled up someone I thought was a fantastic player. So I looked up John Lennon's list from The Art of War and I, I said, why, why did John do these things? And uh, I had the luxury of uh, you know asking him and be like, John, why'd you pick this? 
But I think it's really beneficial as a player to go, why did he pick this? What can I do with this combo that John knows that I don't? You know, like, let me reverse engineer this. And I think knowing how they did it, being able to understand the mechanics goes a long way. It's not, it's not necessarily a net list. It's like, I know why this net list exists. And that's it's, so it's, important. It's, it's, it's more important to know why the core reasons that it's going than just copying it, though. That's the big deal. Right. If you understand why, that means that you can make it your own. Or you could play that same list. I mean, maybe, but you got to know exactly what was the reasoning behind taking stuff. Well, also, first off, like everyone knows you're number one in our hearts. So yeah. You're, you're an elite player in our hearts. Uh, and you're a very good player in a tabletop anyways. Don't don't discredit yourself. Nah, thanks, man. Secondly, uh, an even better painter, by the way. If anyone's ever seen Blake's army, check it out. Like his, <laughs> When we were at LVO, his army was mucho gracias. I have a rule of thumb. When I when I look at Codex first time, I don't look at anyone else's previews. I don't look at anyone's opinions. I want to read the Codex myself. I want to get my initial thoughts. And I agree with you. There's definitely a time when you should look at people's combos and stuff. But I think the most important thing someone could do when they're trying to get used to a new edition or a new Codex, you know, first off, make some friends in this hobby. Oh, if you yeah. don't have anyone that played near you, you know, go on TTS. Go on. Some, there's so many free discords out there. People can just like to talk all the time. Daka Daka is a forum still that's on there. Find a couple people you like-minded and, and, and throw your ideas off them. For example, you know, I, I I looked at my tile list. I was ready to go for this new. I had my list up. I thought it was very brutal. Uh, me and Brad go for some t- practice games about a week ago, right, Brad? Yeah. And I mean, I told everyone for months, like when I took off AFPs off my suits, like yeah, Airburst is dead. When they did that data slate, well, after playing a game with Brad and we re-racked like three or four times, you know, every time we found a weakness in each other's list, we didn't even track who was going to win. We go first turn, second turn, look for weakness in each other's list and help each other out. And, you know, we made like three small changes in my list that drastically changed its play style against an army that can just hide like Brad was. So yeah, I think one of the best things to do is get some friends out to practice games and, and really just like it's you can't net list it. I hate to say it like you, you can pull up someone's good list. But, you know, that 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 might be keys to a Ferrari in that player's hands. And when you try to pile up that same list, it's an escort. Watch a game. Then. That's a big thing, too. Yeah. I would rather say if you're going to if you're going to try to net list a list, watch a game report with that. You know what I mean? To help you out. The other thing is, is that I think that deploying your army is just a huge thing. Either a TTS at your house, at the game store and stuff like that. A lot of times lists sound amazing. And then you try to play them on the board and all of a sudden you realize that my footprint is gigantic or I don't have enough things that can fly. I don't have enough infantry. I don't have enough OPSEC. I don't have A, U to B or C. I put my army on the board and I play out turns one and two without anybody against me and just go, can I reach my secondaries? You know what I mean? If you can't score your secondaries and maximize them and your primaries with zero people across from you, then you either have to change your list or you have to change how you're deploying. One of, you know, or maybe both. And that's a big thing to see your army on the board because lots of lists look amazing if you just you know read down the damage it can do and everything else. And then you put it on the board and you realize, oh, all of this stuff's a vehicle. None of it has fly. I traffic jam myself. I don't have enough movement to get all of these guns into, into line of sight and stuff. Brett, can I uh, can I step in here on something? You, um, it's something you've always told me, and I came to the realization the other day that what you said, and I was like, oh. So I kind of want to tell people a little bit more of what you're talking about. Hit me. So when you were at the the finale this year over in um, where we're in Grapevine, I think he brought he brought this absolutely goofy Eldar list. It was <laughs> like nonsense. And but what Brad's list had was it had units that he knew exactly how they were going to score him points. And so when he says that, that's, I mean, that's what he's talking about. You'd say, I have fire dragons. Okay, like, what are they going to do? They're going to score points, all right? He knows 
they're going to go out there. They're going to do in turn two. They're going to be scoring me, say like um, <coughs> retrieve data, and then they're going to get me this other point here and this other point there. And I know that's my game plan. And so with the meta change, what he's talking about, you know, you you might have you might play fire dragons. You might say fire dragons. I've never played them before. Let me put them on the table. They're going to do this for me. And if they don't do that for you, say let's go back to the drawing board. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid to put stuff out. I mean, literally. I mean, we literally changed so many small things in the course of a day's playtesting where we were just changed. You know, we should probably do this. I think you should do this. Let's let's reset right now. And don't be afraid of that, too. Don't play to win in your test games. You, you can get more. Literally, once you realize a mistake's made or you realize that you have a deficiency in your new list in these new times, especially if you've got work, kids, whatever, you only get so much time that you're able to play 40K. You need to maximize that time. You know, so I want to put that on the army on the board. Basically, we started off. Here's literally how the first three setups went. I went, oh, yeah, you have a cold star and he could show up my backfield. I didn't block that out. Cool. Game one over. Uh, redeploy <laughs> Brad. Scooch this back. Tom moves up and, we, and both of us looked at each other and go, stranglehold doesn't exist anymore. You don't have to come to the middle. Why am I out here? Okay. I'm putting these units back. <laughs> Step three, uh, we did some more stuff. And then we went, you know what? This would be way better if you had air burst. And I'm like, I think I need more hand-to-hand here. And we kept taking small units in, talking about the movements. You know what I mean? So we got through a couple turns, but those couple turns were literally like six or seven different setups. Like, let's talk about what just happened. Like, it's not about trying to win. It's trying to maximize each person. And the thing is, is that get together. Tom was so right about this. Get together with the community, your friends and stuff. Don't be afraid. Don't look for winning those pickup games. Look to pause. Like, literally, I was in the middle of my movement phase, and both of us did it to each other and went, are you sure that this wouldn't be better? You know what I mean? I think that this is actually a better move. Do you think that if you had this in your army and did this, it would be better? Probably. Let's see. Let's, you know what I mean? Let's sub this out. To add on to that, the, the intention of mine and Brad when we played was we don't care who wins the game. I don't, we didn't, we never went past turn two. We barely made out of turn one most of the time. We, we, we were racking so much. But the thing is, we both generally cared about helping each other improve. And that's what's good about having friends. If you can have that environment of people, it doesn't matter how good you are right now, because if you guys have that intention and you keep practicing, you're going to make yourselves really good. And 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 to double back and hit, like I said, like, you know, just use me and Brad's example. We, we're not the only ones out here that does this, but, you know, we're, we're also pretty successful at the game. But both of our lists are very unorthodox. Like, when Brad made his Eldar list, there was, like, three staples of Eldar, and he was only running one of them. And he had all this other stuff. Like, he was taking Fire Dragons before most people that I saw. Like, he just had a whole bunch of weird jank. He didn't want the the gates. And then when you looked at my Tau list, like, everyone was either playing Breacher Rush, six Shield Drone list, you know, with every squad. And and I remember, like, when I put my list out there, like, Tom, you're running, like, one or two Shield Drones, and it's just weird. Like, but the thing is, like, it doesn't mean my list is the best Tau list. There's three super good tile player tile list styles. You know, you have you have my pure aggression list. You have you have Siegler's like sit back and trade and grind out the win, and then you have Gainers that's kind of in the middle. All three styles are very good. They just suit each player who plays them their style. You know, Brad's Brad's elder is not the probably the best elder list out there. I don't think there is a best elder, but it made his style. It's what he wanted to do. He understood it through reps and and it, he designed it around his mentality. You know, so that's I think that's what most players make the mistake at when they're trying. They look at those net list, they just grab and say, okay, I'm gonna try to win with it. I'm not saying don't take a net list. Download the list, see what that player is doing from like you kind of said, Blake. Figure out what combos are doing, but then find a way to make it your own. Take the elements that you like, incorporate in there, and make it your style. And that's how you're gonna be most successful, in my opinion. Hey, have you ever? Uh like bought an army and put it on the table and just absolutely hated it 
that ever happened to you? Uh, yes. Yeah. I've done I used it. to buy. I used to buy lots of models. So yes, had my Necron. Not like lots of lot, as in uh, a, a amount, but like a lot, a lot. You know what I mean? A, an actual like someone sold something to the game store, and I just bought the whole thing, kind of thing. Yes, I bought Admac and I took it to the Michigan GT last year, and I went undefeated with it. But I was miserable every time because <laughs> did that list so I, like, much. I, I drink so much during 40k events. For all those out there who know me, I drink, and when you got to move a hundred little dudes every game, it's like man. I'm used to my games being an hour long, hour maybe an hour and a half, and I'm like running out of time because I have to move like eighty to hundred guys. The, every time. I hated it. The best was Dad was talking so much about Admech coming out. He's like, "I'm playing Admech. I'm going to paint it. It's going to look beautiful. I'm going to wreck everybody with it." And then he played like a tournament and a half. It's like I'm never playing this again. Now. <laughs> I, I took it to a small tournament and I hated it so much. It it was so I don't care. I, and, and then I ended up doing Barrowhammer for Michigan GT because I sold my my Admac before I even took him to a tournament because I, I hated it that much. You know what I want to talk about? You asked the question. We never actually really 100 percent addressed it. I want to talk through through the list process of the actual like breakdown of how I look at the list. Though, yeah. So there's a couple things you have to look at. First off efficiency i want efficiency in the game you have to have output output's more important than just trying to be defensive so i look at my unit's output can i kill things to go two do i have enough scoring do i have enough upset do i have enough movement you can't just take like a couple units and expect to win the game you know what i mean when you're like who's sitting on my home objectives so you gotta look at how my scoring points how my denying points and what kind of output do i have and then of course that that goes with the game's one and loss of movement so I look at those things, and then you have to ask yourself also, and I think that people don't do this enough with their list process, which is, what secondaries am I going to take in my game? Do I have the units that allow me to take those to take those secondaries? You have to build your list with the idea of secondaries in mind. Who's scoring my R&D? Who's scoring my engage? Who's taking, who's setting, putting up banners? You know, who's doing these secondaries? If I, I'm taking Wrath of Cain and Eldar, it means I have to have a aspect warrior that can shoot somebody and kill somebody in a hand in a hand, in, hand in the same turn. Do I have those built into my, my list? And I have to do that three or four times. So when I look at a list, I go, all those all those things have to be achieved. And you should check those box off as you go. You also you have to have enough damage, you have to have enough movement, you have to have enough people that are taking secondaries, take denying primaries and taking primaries. Because in any game, there's at least one time, if you're going to be successful, where you put your opponent at a four or a zero, at least once in the game, if you're going to win that game, because you have to hit some, you have to score. It sounds dumb, obviously, but you have to score more points than your opponent. <laughs> so that means you have to take some points away. If the, you know what I mean? If your base scheduled to score the same, you have to, at some point in time, take that bottom neutral zone objective once, take it away from, give them a four, make them come to you kind of thing. But that has to be built into your list. Do you have somebody that can move fast enough to get there? Do you have enough firepower to, to shoot those people? Do you have the ability to take care of things out of line of sight? And sometimes that the ability to hit something out of line of sight means you just go and punch them, especially with the changes that you can now attack. You can't be stopped mm -hmm. from going through a wall. That means melee is more important than it's ever been because it, it can get there sometimes faster, faster and better than trying to shoot, you know, indirect. So you have to list these things down in your and go, what what am I, how am I doing these things? How am I scoring? How am I denying points? How am I scoring my secondaries? What's my output? What's my movement? Brad, I think, uh, um, I imagine you giving like this speech, like dodgeball, you know, like that movie. And, uh, dodge, dodge, 
Well, your catchphrase is if you can roll a barrel, you can roll some dice. And it's like, you know, you're trying to have people roll barrels to train. <laughs> it's you a know, big deal, though. I, 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 like, I like Brad's explanation of it. And the goal of the movie themes, first off, that's why I always tell Brad's like the smartest guy in 40K. I really believe that no matter what. He's like this huge overview of how he's trying to plan his list. He's looking at every phase, every way. Have you ever seen Blades of Glory, by the way? Yes, yes. <laughs> I, I'm Will Ferrell, by the way, and he's John Hedder. Like he's in there, he's doing all the technical <laughs> stuff, and I'm just trying to force it in there. Like I, I make, I play this, I approach this game in a very different, but also at the same time, very similar way. Like he's looking at every phase. I look at, I look at how I want to play my army. Right, for example, Tom's when I came, <laughs> would you say, Brad? Tiles of the treadmill. That lady loves. What does that even mean? No one knows, but it's provocative. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Like, w- like when I when I came out with my Talus, I just got off of my Dark Angel kick. I was trying. I tried to add mech for a brief minute. I was like, I say it my style. But I was like, I want to have an army that's fast, hits hard, and it bullies the middle. And, and so, like, I had my identity of what how I wanted to play. I, and 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 I looked at the secondaries I want to play. So like when I build before I pick my army, I always have two secondaries I take every game, no matter what. My list is literally built around those two secondaries, and then I have like between three to five other secondaries I fill in for the number three. But every game, if you watch every time I've ever played, two secondaries are always going to be the same, unless somebody's got this crazy list that throws me off my game plan, which hasn't happened I don't think this season so far. And then I'd have to change stuff. It's always the same two secondaries, but I picked how I wanted to play, and then I just try to field. I find an army I think that suits my needs. That for a while it was Dark Angels, now it's you know <laughs> Tau. How can I get speed, firepower, and who's the most efficient at that? In my opinion, so like I agree with you on efficiency, but it just cracks me up how different but same we are. Like you're John Hedder and I'm Will Ferrell, man. 100%. Yeah, you get to the same thing. I just take I do a lot of numbers and stuff. It's just funny because it does take me uh, uh forever to get to the same spot because I want to yeah. know why. Yeah. <laughs> so, but but I think it's a it's a big deal that you you figure out your list at the same time you figure out your your play style because yeah. and also those stratagems because or not stratagems but secondaries because I see so many players go. I'm going to play this super defensive style because this person's playing aggressive and I'm going to counterpunch. And then they go to play and they go, all right, cool. I don't want to go anywhere and I'm not going to take my secondaries and my secondaries engage. And you're like, you're like you just said you didn't want to go out and, and do something. Yeah. And you're, you know what I mean? Your game plan is literally the opposite of your secondaries. You right. have to be together with that. They have to be synergized. You should accidentally be scoring your secondaries a lot because it should be part of your play. Brad, you just described how, like, when I when I play my worst games, you just described my problem. I'm not at I'm not at synergy with like my thought on my game plan and my secondaries. Hundred percent. That's the biggest issue you see with people. It's like, like they got what it takes tactically, but they just don't have the reps or the tournament experience where they don't understand. Like, if you pick a game plan, you got to stick to it. Just how it is. Like, you can't be like, okay, I'm gonna play defensive, and then pick secondaries that goes completely opposite, where you're gonna be aggressive secondaries. So. I 100% agree with that. You know, the thing is, is that you can tell, and I, I think they can, everybody can do this. I don't think it's, it's like a super elite thing, but I think that you can literally tell exactly how somebody's going to play the game by what they chose the secondaries. Oh, for and sure. Then, and, but the thing is, I don't think enough people plan that way, though. If you choose certain secondaries, your opponent chooses certain secondaries, and you realize that they're either going to be super passive or they're going to be super aggressive, you then... Ch- plan your game plan around it. So if they choose aggressive secondaries, you know that you can now counterpunch. But like Tom and I are playing, say for instance, and he's playing sisters and he's got really great passive secondaries. 
and I wait until turns three or four to start making my move, well, that might be too late now. You know what I mean? I have to realize that he can play a passive game plan and I have to go do something about it. You know what I mean? Because he's scheduled to score more points by doing nothing. And if you have to realize this early in the game, how that's the game's going to be played. And it's easy to, I feel like it's easy to recognize that by the secondaries that you choose, but you have to, and I go, I'm kind of taking the super long way around as I usually do because I talk too much, but that goes into the list process because you have to have the ability to either play passive or go out and get somebody. You know what I mean? You have, can, can we just agree on one thing real quick? If we're playing a game and I'm playing scissors and I chose passive secondaries, we both know I already lost that game, right? Because yeah. turn one, you're going to be like, Tom, why is all your stuff in the middle of the board when you have to be in the back of the board? I was like, but you're in the middle of the board. Yeah, but your secondaries are in the back. Yeah, we'll get those later. I just want to kill you first. Why do you model <laughs> hammers on all your models? I don't know. <laughs> I think there's a good segue here, Brad, because you had mentioned like the secondary choices and all that. I want to spend the second half of this episode here just talking about, you know, there's big changes to the secondary. So how are you guys as players looking at the secondaries and saying, I'm building my list around this specific one because it's really strong. It's so big. Every The thing is, is that for people that don't realize this, you can take as many of the book secondaries, codex book secondaries as you want. Now, instead of just taking one, you can take as many as you want. And that means that certain books are hugely powerful, sisters, than others. For instance, Tyranid's an amazing codex still. They got some point nerfs and stuff. That army's still tough as hell. However, their secondaries are kind of hot garbage. So it makes it so that they have a great army that has a harder time scoring secondaries because 30 point a lot of army, I think people don't realize how big of a deal no stranglehold and no to the last is for the game. So many armies went, that's how I score 30 points. Those are gone. So the game is played in a different way than it was before. So you have to figure out how your opponent's going to play. You have to figure out how you're going to play. But then I again, you have to figure out how that affects armies that you're going to be playing. Look at literally look through the book secondaries for your opponent. Look, get your Nephilim book out because it has every secondary. How nice is that, by the way? That's awesome. They put all that in there. Hundred percent. But look through those real quick. Literally, just just kind of roll through and look through the secondaries and go. How does this affect that army? What do I have to? What are they going to be doing against me? Can they sit? Do they have to come to me? Are they going to be scoring? Is it different than before? And you don't have to take forever and do a million hours of homework, but you do at least have to be familiar with the basic secondaries that at least the top armies that you're going to play in a tournament have. Because if you don't, then you're not going to realize what they can do or what you could do to prevent that. Is taking the middle going to stop this from happening? Is boxing out going to stop your opponent from doing aerospace? Uh, can you stop the knights from getting in the middle because they can really churn up the points if a big knight sits in the middle and does that action, which is completed in the morale phase for whatever reason. But uh, you can literally figure out how is my opponent looking to score his points and how can I deny those points? I can't even tell you the amount of times I've just gotten curbed on the table where I have hardly any models left, but still end up pulling up the game because I understand how my opponent is scoring and I understand how I'm going to score and make sure that I'm trying to refute points and trying to get my most points. Killing models isn't the end all be all. Tom will tell you different because he goes, one of my favorites is Tom goes, I love banners. You know why? 
because uh, I'll just table my opponent and then I'll just put banners on all five objectives. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's my strategy on banners. I put one, maybe two up again in the game. I kill you by turn three. I put up the other three or four on turn three, maxing out easy peasy. <laughs> I just love it. He's like, banners is awesome. You just put, you just make have, you have five of them on turns four and five. It works out. Well, you just, you just talk about banners, which we got, we can't just, we, we have, yeah, we have to. banners is absolutely insanely broken now. For those that are not aware of this, somebody could have a bazillion obsec models on this one banner objective with their banner up. You can just touch one guy on it and be like, by the way, I'm also gonna put a banner up. But you're not obsec, yeah, but banners doesn't require that anymore. But I'm on it, yep, doesn't matter. But I got a banner up, doesn't matter. I'm gonna put my banner up, and then your banner goes down next fan phase, and mine stays up. It's awesome. Well, it's another thing that's a big deal though, because it changes how you play on those banners. Banners only come down in command phases now. They used to come oh, down yeah. in any phase that you had control. So now you can't like kill something, move off the objective, go somewhere else. You can't bar off it. You can't hit it with a unit of raveners and then consolidate into something else. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. You literally have to wait there. To the command phase to start, and then the banner comes down. You used to be able to move on it and then charge off of it, and you still took the banner. Not anymore. Yeah, you have to. There's a lot of small changes. Well, and to hit up on Brad's like suggestion, read the secondaries because like a lot of people don't even realize. Like, what's the one? Uh, Psychic interrogation, right? You now get a command point when you complete that every time. That's insane. Strong. Bring it down. I think you get one more point for. It's uh, much easier to max. It's much easier, exactly. It's much easier to max. There's small changes in a lot of the secondaries, and there's small changes in a lot of the the faction specific secondaries. Mm-hmm. Which, if you just peruse through, man, just look through and see how because it it's so knowing what your enemy can do is such a big deal. Because especially like Blake, you play knights. You look at your the one. That one's sweet. Yeah, it's crazy. The the amount of points you can score late game. All of your, you're basically like, I barely scored any secondaries. I barely scored any secondaries. And then you're like, okay, here's 20 points. You're like, what just happened? You know? Yeah, your honor is just like, hey, I'm honored. And it's like, boom. So yeah. in my opinion, I think Sisters and Knights were probably two of the biggest winners. With Tyranids obviously being like the biggest loser. Because they went from arguably, if not the best codex at the time this was dropped, top two at least, right? Now, they're still really, really good. But you see a lot of top players backing off of them. Secondary um, game's so bad. Yeah. Their army's still so strong, but their secondary game is losing Stranglehold until the last was such a big deal for that army. Yep. Such a big deal. We'll still see uh, my boy Tyler. He'll he'll still be repping it. We'll see it. it. The army's still insane. You can still get murked off the table by Tyranids. They're still super strong. Their secondary game just got a lot weaker. I, 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 but the one thing I want to just kind of debate a little bit with Brad, I think Sisters became one of the biggest winners, but honestly... I don't think they're the best codex right now. I think they're number two. I, I think no one's talking about this besides me, you, Brad, and a few people. Admech is unchained. Why people, like, this is a codex, like, what, like eight, nine months ago, maybe a little bit longer, that people are like, this is absolutely broken. Like, this is ruining the game. They put a whole bunch of nerfs on it. It gets unnerfed. It has, like, one or two small nerfs still on it. Basically, like, they chained it down and said, no, bad Admech. Get in the closet. <laughs> And then recently, <laughs> recently they just like unlocked the closet, removed the chains, like go on out, boy. And, and everyone acts like it's like not a good codex. So it's like they're they're insane. They they dropped the points of Rust Stalkers and the Raiders. I was just like, whoa, okay, yeah, uh, yeah. what's going Drops on? Infiltrators, Raiders, and infiltrate and Chicken Walkers are core again. Oh my yes. god, yes. No chicken, walkers, chicken Walkers are core. Um, the uh, 
Dragoons, so the melee version are core. Yeah. There was a there was a build when they got nerfed that when chicken walkers were starting to lose favor a little bit with people, they started running like maybe two instead of six. But they're running that big block like five or six of the dragoons and this doing all the strats. <laughs> they were amazingly good, and then they lost core and they disappeared, and they all have core again, uh, dude. Like like uh, I believe the. Didn't the ranger strat, the one where they got like rapid fire two instead of one, is back? Yeah, they now are four fives instead of fours. Uh, no, that's the vanguard. The, the rangers, yeah. the rangers, they changed where you just got heavy two, at, so you got two shots at long range, and they, they thought you getting double the shots at half range was broken. I think that's getting double shots again, which they, is pretty they, good. They have so many. I mean, that army's just good. I mean, rust stalkers were rust stalkers are gross at the old points. I mean, they're they're way better now. I. I think this army is going to bang. I think you're going to see Admex sneak in and just crush. And I, Book I, of Fire is still legal for them, right? Yeah. So, uh, yes. so, so they I still can run the cohort. So uh, that book was amazing. Like everything you liked. Do you want to give it influence? Absolutely. Here you go. You want to be able to give a squad five up funeral pain for one CP? There you go. Like it's like if that book is still legal, that Admex is just hey Brad. Very, you want um, you want to have a have an army of rust stalkers and raiders you can use for um, the. <laughs> The well, WTC. So no, he he suffers from the same situation I have, where we're both lazy. None of us wants to move a hundred models. It, I it, it's the thing is, is I'm totally bandwagoning all the time. However, I have to enjoy the army to bandwagon, and that <laughs> just wasn't my my bag. You're like, hey man, I can either play uh, uh, for a millennia long. I can live for a infinity years as an elf. I could be a giant super soldier i could be a demon from the warp or i can play as myself with a chip in my head you're like yeah, <laughs> put a pass on that bro <laughs> like, before Admech was nerfed and i decided i didn't want to play them anymore i looked at brad i think we're at uh one of those smaller tournaments so I said, before i get rid of this army are you gonna want to use it i'll just keep reusing it and he looked and was like nah no nah, nah. don't, don't ask me stupid like, questions I beautiful Admech. i'm like mm -mm, no nah. thank you uh -uh. brad looked at me and i think his exact words is like you're talking to the guy that if you try to debate with me if I have line of sight, I would just give it to you because I refuse to bend over. <laughs> <laughs> and you think I'm going to bend over and move 100 models? I'll pass on that one. Yeah. It's still not a cup of tea. The thing is, it's like, I love playing awesome armies. That's another thing I want to go back to. Like, don't tell people, don't let people tell you what to play. If you're a hobbyist, a painter, whatnot, and unit A is 10% less than unit B, but you painted, you've just spent 100 hours painting unit B. Freaking bring your goddamn unit. Don't let somebody tell you you can't bring whatever it is if you're if you love that unit and you're gonna throw it on the board. It, it's just it's still toy soldiers, man. Like, you know what I mean? Put the stuff that's on, make it work the best that you can. I want to make the most efficient army, but also still the rule of cool still applies. A, a, a hardcore. Well, that's why I'm playing um Wraith, man. I'm still playing my Eldar Wraith, and it's because I painted it and I'm like, this is what I want to play, man. I don't know how good it is, but we're doing it. The thing is, is like you can't always trust everyone else's opinions because they might not be lying. They might be right that it's not the 100% most efficient, but they also might be playing in a style that doesn't make it very efficient. Not trying to give myself like pats on my back. I'm just using me as personal experience. I know it, but like, and Brad can back it up. When I, when I played Dark Angels, everyone was playing Terminators. When I brought my Ravenwing list, literally, how many people told me that list was trash, Brad? Oh, so mad. It was crazy. And then next thing, next thing you know, it was the staple of Dark Angels. Yeah. With my towel, like, when I was like, yeah, I'm going to play Christ suits like these people, except I don't want six shield drones. I want more guns. I want more bodies. 
I'm like, well, your suture is going to get shot up. It's a horrible list. Like, same thing. Like, you know, like, and and it's not the best list out there. I, you know, some people that six shield drone list might have been better. Or some people with breach charge might have been better, you know, because it's better for a style. But don't let somebody else's opinion forge your narrative. You should find out what works for you. And, and the best way, like I said earlier, get with friends, practice it, find your cool miles you like, and find a way to make your style work. It's such a Forge big deal the narrative, that man. That's uh, that's Paul Nerfy's podcast. Do a little plug for him. Uh, <laughs> you want to check out, uh, check out some podcasts out there. Dude, I, I think it's a big deal because yeah, I love time saying make it your own because I can't tell you the amount of times someone's trying to play Tom's list, Sean Naden's list, and stuff like that. If that's not how you play, you're just not going to get the most out of that list. Do you know what I mean? People, especially people around here, will try to play Tom's list and then they're like, hey, man, I'm not getting the same results. Like, yeah, because as as Tom will tell you, you don't believe in your dice and your aggression. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, faith, faith in your dice rolls. Dude, they we uh, we may have had a few too many drinks at ACO, but I think my favorite thing that came out of that is we're sitting a couple of drinks in, and we're at a big table. There's a ton of people around us. Only like 12 hours of nonstop drinking, no big deal. <laughs> and we're sitting at a table, and Tom goes into a good half hour, 45 minutes, literally speech about how you have to believe in your dice and a story, <laughs> literally in a story about during one of the games on day two, how he, he had to t- have a talk with his dice, a spirit dice. He had to have like literally, guys, look, you were letting me down, but I believe in you. I'm giving you another chance. <laughs> Dude, the best part. You got the vibes, man. The best part, like there's like 30 people like listening to me and Brad. And then like 10 people literally looked at me like, so we can't tell. Are you being serious? Or are you just drunkly <laughs> joking with us? I'm like, I'm 100% serious. It's like, can we please go on a different story? Real quick. Not that it doesn't do to do this podcast, but just because I want to say this. Oh, you got to do it. You got to get a story. The best part of ACO, <laughs> the best part of ACO, I was, for some reason, I was in my mood. I wasn't drinking, which is ab- extremely abnormal for me, right? And and Brad smashed, absolutely smashed. And we're talking, and he's like, "Time, you got drinkers?" Like, no, I don't feel like drinking this weekend, man. I'm, I'm just having fun being sober for once at a for a K event. He's like, "If you're my friend, you will drink with me." I'm like, "You know what? I got you, brother. If you really want me to drink, I will drink with you." Fast forward, oh, I wake up I at eight well. o'clock. I wake up at eight o'clock, and I have like a bazillion messages people asking for okay, and I'm like, "What do you mean?" He's like, "You guys were still posting videos to the DOG chat at six thirty in the morning." I'm like, "What?" I look at her chat. And me and Brad have like 20 videos we did where we're just smashed. We have these random people show up talking to us. We're, t- we're putting them in the videos. Bro, and the best part, Brad's looking at me. He's like, Tom, I don't even know what you're looking at. And I look. I'm so drunk. I'm the one holding the phone. But I'm looking like in left field, not thinking I'm looking at my phone. And I'm not, dude, we were absolutely, it was great. 6.30 in the morning, still posting videos. So, uh, that's a and the biggest story. thing is, well, the, the thing about that, though, I, I, I'm going to circle this back and make it relevant, though, because... In the end, you have to have an army that's fun. You want it to work, but it has to be fun. And here's the other reason. If you're trying to get better and you don't like everything about your army, you won't put enough games in. You won't dwell on your your wins and losses. You won't figure out how to make it better because it's not enjoyable to you. So even though maybe it's a good list, you won't get the most out of that list if it doesn't bring you joy because you won't put enough time into it. It'd be like this, like Brad. We're both pretty good players, me and you, right? We're pretty good. We're not. We're not the best out there. There's a lot of players better than us, but we're we're all right. Yeah, you're but very you good suck. With your, 
he does kind of suck. But anyways, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you, you're really good with your elder. I'm really good at my Tau. Imagine if we played a game against each other. We've we've watched each other pilot these armies for a long time. I know how you play your Eldar. I know what this type of stuff you're going to do. I could try to mimic it. You know how I'm going to play my Tau. You're, you could probably mimic it kind of well. But there's going to be so many circumstances in that game that, like, there's going to be a stratagem I don't have that I don't understand this properly or don't, or don't even know exists or how to apply it to the situation because I don't have the reps with Eldar. I've watched him do it a bazillion times, but I don't have the reps. It's not my style, and I won't think of it. Same thing for Brad. Like, I know it's like a what, third or fourth time we're talking about this, but make something your style. Like make your own story. Find out how you want to play it. That's the most important part. I, I know we and the thing is, I know we're circling back to it and we're beating a dead horse, but I think it's a big deal when you're you're looking at a sea apocalypse, <laughs> the sea apocalypse right now, where you've got less options, you've got a different, a completely weird basically everything got exploded and it's a lot different. You have to look at the things that you love. And make your army the best. And you have to really focus on those, especially if you have less choices. You have to get the best things that you have. Um, excuse me. Now, going into that, though, what do you guys think is the, besides Stranglehold and to the last, I, are laughably the biggest changes to the game? What do you guys think, after reading the book, are the, the biggest changes? It can be faction specific secondaries. What are the biggest changes in the game right now? Because I don't think the point changes change the game that much. I think the secondary changes and the FAQ things change. For instance, Eldar, for me, the the two changes that are not, sorry, secondary and stratagems and stuff like that, just basically rule changes. The change that there's no longer a six-inch battle focus, automatic battle focus, and, and uh, Fire and Fade is only once a game, have so much more change on how I play the game than any points changes or anything else for Eldar. What do you guys think are the bigger changes for other books and other factions? So I'll hit on Tau real quick. Um, lots of a lot of the top channels out there, first day reactions. Tau is just dead. It's over with. If you're gonna play Tau, you're gonna be Breach or Rush or something that didn't get nerfed. Hammerheads, Christ suit, gone. And, and I, I think even Harpster was like Ogden style list gonna change. No one can play that anymore. And and he's right. We got hit really hard in points, like really hard. I think probably a little bit stronger than we should have been hit. But one of the things that like really makes this game good for town Christu stuff is the CP changes. I hit it at the beginning of the episode. We're gonna talk a little bit more. Like I love Tau because the Christ suits, the commanders, they pack in all these buffs that most people have to pay a CP for that we just get for free. I want to move a guy eight inches, boom, my crisis, my cold starts says, hey, boot, just move eight, eight more inches. I wanna be able to have a game where I can just move and, sh and advance and shoot no penalty, I go Monka. I want to have exploding sixes, yeah, Kayu, you know, if I want to have re-rolls, yeah, Shadow Sun. Nine-inch ores, re-roll ones everywhere. Like, I don't have to pay CP, you know, for stuff like that. <laughs> like, so, like, for me, for Tau, I think Tau's still in a really good spot because they have some of the best CP regen in the game. I could put a Relic on someone and get CP back when I spend on a 3+, get a free one from a t on a 2-plus from an Ethereal and all the buffs. Um, for talking about secondaries, I, th I think the biggest change in this, this this edition is that you can take multiple book secondaries. It makes oh, a yeah. lot of armies that struggled do really well. Um, I think it equalized the game in a lot of ways. Um, I just I think we're I honestly think we're in the best edition we've seen and uh, at a balanced point. Well, I, I want to um, talk about it from that standpoint. Uh, I got back into Imperial Lights, like I said a couple weeks ago. Uh, Brian Jones came on here and, and got me motivated for it. Um, there's secondaries in this new book. Are so Strong. good. Oh my Strong. gosh. Like they, they allow you to play passively still. Like you can still do some passive stuff with it. 
you just have to take the you you have to play a weird I call it my passive aggressive as usual. But yeah, yeah, yeah. You're playing if you take the middle of the board, you don't have to slay. You don't have to go past the midpoint though. Yeah, you're not you're not <laughs> to hunt stuff down. Like it used to be like you had like um, you maybe had strangle if it was the right if it was the right uh, map for it. You know, you could potentially take to the last if you didn't have someone who could take down your big boys. But like, what are you doing after that? Maybe the tr- one where you trade. But I mean. You don't have a lot of good options. Now it's like there's some auto includes here, you know, like the the one where you just get them for being virtuous. Like, okay, like I'm going to be virtuous. The Mommy's built for that. It's just, it's pretty sweet. I, do I, I, I like the fact that knights are like the best mortal wound army in the game right now. Yeah. Like everyone, I remember when we had MCM and there was that hashtag 69 mortal wounds <laughs> on like the stream games because that, that tournament player did 69 mortal wounds in the game and it was such a big deal. And then you just have knights like in one turn, the guy's like, Boom! There's 40 mortal wounds. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> it, it, it's such a big deal on that. I, you know what I'm gonna say though, and people can throw tomatoes at me, but I think that the game is probably the most balanced it's been since the beginning of Eighth. To be actually bet more than that because we had just Marines that smashing originally. You know what I mean? So right now you can take a lot of factions. There's a lot more factions that are viable to win a big tournament now than there has been in the last few years, to be honest. To hit, to hit on that, I was talking to some people the other day, and there's 11 or 12 legitimate factions that could win a Super Major right now. Like, if mm-hmm. the right person's piled on them, they could win it. And there's never been a time in this game ever that we could say that. And, and even even though Mr. Bradchester believes that you can't have individual armies, mm-hmm. a lot of the armies out there are super different like just talking about Tau, like the big three list right now is mine ganios and uh sigsaw right those are three very very different then you have people like lyle who's mixing it up and finding ways to combine different styles that's like its own style in a way like that's happened not just without it's happened for a lot of you should look at his list because i think it's amazing whoever made that list is a genius yeah yeah i got screenshots of who made that list and someone's hey check this list for me (laughs) hey spoiler it was me (laughs) yeah <clears throat> so no, no. I, that's the thing is, is, but you know, I think it's for someone that I, I love to make lists, and I think that this is. I want to interrupt uh, you for a quick second, real quick. I want to do a plug for you before you can say anything because people <laughs> think I'm trying to do this. Honestly, at this point, like watching, so I have a person on my team's name's Lyle Dixon, very, very becoming a very good player, but he recently started getting coaching from Brad. I think about a month, month and a half ago, and. I know everyone's out there. I'm not like the biggest head coach like that, but Brad Chester, my brother, you are an absolute fantastic coach because Brad's been able to help my boy Lyle find his own style. So Lyle was trying to mimic mine a lot because I had a lot of success with Tao. And Brad was able to sit down and talk to him, go over the list, go over things we talked about. He had Lyle explain to him what kind of sectors he wanted to play, what kind of units he liked, what he liked about my style, what he liked about Seager, because Seager used to be his coach too at one point, you know? And and Brad has Lyle playing and the best I've ever seen him play. And he's developing a style that's very much his own right now. He doesn't really see it yet. He's still trying to get his name recognized, but literally like all the things we talked about, if you want to see it put in practice, I mean, Lyle, you know, he had to pick the secondaries, the style you want to play on stuff. Brad Chester like, man, I got to give you credits, my boy. Fantastic work on that. Thanks, brother. Anyways, so I, I didn't want you to say anything and you ruined my plug. I want to get that in there before. <laughs> so I'm giving the mic back to you. He helps you uh, pick your Taekwondo style. My style is the baboon style, you know, like the baboon, baboon stance, you know, <laughs> And I, I heard also 
If you become Brad's client and you do well, he'll give you access to his premium Snapchat and OnlyFans. Oh yeah, it's it's quite the it's quite the thing. All of the goodness, though. You know, my thing on list process, though, I think this is an exciting time because you can, especially at the beginning when everybody doesn't know what's good. You know what I mean? We're still at the infancy right now of after these changes. And I love that part of the list process because if you're being experimental, if you're putting new ideas out there all the time, you can come up with great ideas. You know what I mean? Uh, and try to be ahead of things. And and I think it's a it's exciting to have more factions, man. Because I know that it's easier if there's only one or two good armies type thing, and then you kind of just focus all your. I have to defeat this list. But when there's more factions available, it means that you have to have a more versatile list. But also, I don't know about you guys, but man. I love when I play a bunch of different armies in a tournament. If I play an eight-game tournament, I can play eight different armies. That's sweet. I I just love yeah. that. And that was what ninth was at the beginning, man. Like you show up at a tournament, I don't know, you don't know what you're gonna play. It was pretty sweet. I I love it when we're playing in a tournament and you walk to the table and somebody just has a list that just does not make sense to you. It's not in any of the standings. And you're like, man, what is this guy like? Why is he playing this? I had that experience at ACO. I think it was like round, man, I'm trying to think what round that was. You know, I played Twilight, right? The guy I played I had the Twilight list. Yeah. And I was I was and I was talking to Brad. I'm like, dude, what is what is what why is this guy running Twilight Harlequins? Like it just doesn't make sense to me. I haven't seen him do well at all in the tournament. And I, I literally his name was Daniel Olivas. I'm sorry if he's listening and I butchered, I'm sorry, I think it was Olivas. And I was like, I looked at Brad, I was like, all right, well, I played like three Harlequins that tournament so far. This is gonna be an easy match. Like, whatever, I'll see you in 30 minutes because Twilight. And Brad, like, laughed. It was like, my own game went over two and a half hours. I almost, we almost <laughs> went to the time. And I was like, this guy's good. And, it's, and this, this, this army plays in a way that we're not used to. We don't see, like, exactly my point. Like, I thought it was trash by looking at the list. And he was piloting in a way I've never seen it piloted before and make me change my game plans and stuff. Like, the guy, it was just awesome. It was, it was a great experience. Not to mention, he's an amazing sport. So if you guys ever play that dude, he is one of the best sports I've ever seen. Fantastic guy. Very close game. Um, but, dude, I love when you have moments like you see a list you're not used to. And, you know, and they just play it differently. And it's just, it's just a cool experience. It's I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm terrified when I get to a table and I don't understand how something works. You know what I mean? Not that I don't understand the units, but I don't understand why they have the combinations they have. Yes. I get so nervous. You're like, is this an actual bad army or do I just not know how it works? And I'm going to find out in turn three. And that's not the time to find out right. how something works. The, the, only time, the only time that's bad for me is like, when you're playing a gotcha player. Like you don't understand the army and you don't understand all its stratagems or whatever, or things it can do. To, and, and, and they pull that moment. It's like, Oh, by yeah, the way, but the, the, that's the thing is, is that, and I, I think that comes on all of us though. I think you can force a good game into 90% of your games by asking all those questions beforehand so that you know the answer to those gotchas and there can't be even the the thought of a gotcha you just you already know you have to ask those you know the the basics you, the, the literally the things that you should be asking every single game and i think this actually goes into your list concept which is show up at the table can you redeploy can you move outside of the movement phase do you have pre-game moves do you have heroic interventions? Do you have but fights last? You know what I mean? I, Those I agree with you. I agree with you to an extent. Those questions should be asked and you should get in a practice of asking them. But you remember at the ACO, right? I asked the guy like one turn. I'm not going to give anyone's name. Don't worry. I asked the guy that was like, what's your maximum movement? He's like, I moved 28 inches. All right, cool. So can we agree? I'm 21, 8 point inches. Even if you rolled perfect six advance, 
Double twelve doesn't charge. You can't get. Yeah, I would agree to that. And then like the next one goes. By the way, I have this movement imperative where I get plus two movement. So now my max movement's thirty inches. I'm like, what? I asked your max. Yeah, my max <laughs> movement last one was twenty eight inches. I'm like, all right, bro. Mm. Cool. Sounds good. I don't like that. that. But that's the thing is, is like I think we're we're, we're moving. Getting past that. We're getting. I feel that we're more. We're getting more people that are playing in the spirit of the game and helping you out when you ask the questions. I mean, I I love when like if somebody asks me a question on that, I will be like, okay, I can do this, this, and this, and I can be here, but I can also do this. You know what I mean? And if you, I feel that the most people, if you're like, hey, uh, <clears throat> Blake, you're playing your knights, I want to move block you. Uh, I'm trying to set it up, and you'd be like, well, I actually can use the strat to move farther and advance and charge, so I can be here. So if you're trying to block me, you're going to need to make sure that you do this, this, and this. And then we basically, at the end of my movement, before I move a model, sorry, before I move a model, and then towards the end, you don't just keep picking things up. You we you agree what you're trying to do. Is it possible? And then you and your opponent both agree. Most people will literally help you do the best, yeah. most efficient move against them. I will 100%, just talk- 100% agree that the, the hobby is a hell of a lot better than it was like in fifth, sixth when it comes regards to that. Yes. Like, I used to remember like, You'd have to sit there and you're doing your movement. And you're trying to zone somebody out, and you had to make sure it was all perfect. And you're at every angle, make sure you didn't forget one. And nowadays, most times, like, hey, I'm just trying to box you. I was like, yeah, just put it in this like this formation. We know you have the movement; it's fine. I don't want you spending ten minutes trying to make sure it's perfect. We agree that I'm box style. Cool. I love that type of stuff. Like, I get, the games go by quicker. Everyone has fun. There's no gotcha moments and those type of things. And I, I, I will agree that that the amount of gotchas we see nowadays is drastically lower. But it's still the only time you get terrified, in my opinion, is like the potential of if you did get that one out of 20 people that might do something like that. And if you don't understand the army, it's like, man, yeah. really got to watch bad. Yeah, it's bad. the conversation, though. I feel that you kind of constantly be asking questions. And you have to have the conversation, though. It isn't enough for you to go, this is what I'm trying to do. You have to get your opponent involved and go, this is tr- what I'm trying to do. Do we both agree that this is possible. Do you have anything that would stop this from happening? If you ask enough questions, most people are going to be cool, but even the people that are less cool, if you ask enough questions, I think that you could just stop any problems from happening by just being super cool. You'd be ultimate gentleman and stop anything bad from happening to you. But you do have to be uh, ahead of it. You have to be ahead of the game. You have to ask those questions beforehand. Um, it, it, there's always going to be bad moments. You know what I mean? There's just... There, some people are shit, you know, <laughs> and, they, and they love that. But, 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 but for the most part, I think you can. You owe your. I still think that you owe your opponent. You have a social contract to your opponent that you owe them a decent game. You know what I mean? I hundred percent agree on that. And I, and I, for anyone who's listening, I do agree that Brad's right. That ninety five percent of the players are amazing to play against. Like I, I've had so much fun this season with the people we're talking about and. And Brad and the head right there, you owe it to your opponent to care about their experience. And I think what's a lot of things people are are changing towards and adapting towards, like when you talk to someone, don't just don't care about winning. Like it's cool to win and all, but like make sure your opponent's having fun. You're having fun. Everything's talked out. No one gets any bad feelings from it. So 100% agree on that, Brad. I'm going to close this out here. I want to ask you both the question here. So Brad, tell me what you what is a cool unit that you plan on using at Eldar? Move in uh, in your coming games, and Tom, tell me a cool unit you're using in Tau. Something that you think is going to be pretty cool in the new uh, in the new coming weeks. Going back to Shining Spears. Ooh, that's a spicy choice. I love it. 
I like Shining Spirits. I love Shining Spirits. I hate the new bass, but I I just like the idea of dudes like literally. If you have, you watch the if you've ever watched or read the they got comics and everything else, and there's fan fa- fan like videos on YouTube about that where you just have like Shining Spears literally, you know, flying through the air, fighting sideways with lances and stuff. It's just awesome. It's like, it literally you, feels uh, like an anime. I imagine you rule 34 in um, the Shining Spears. That's <laughs> that's what that is. You described it like, oh yeah, that's where Brad went with that for sure. Uh, I love it. But but I love, I love that choice. That's, that's the best thing you could have told me. I love it. Outside of a race <laughs> night, but you know, close, close second. Whoa, whoa, whoa. There's, there's so much I can do for yeah, you, yeah. baby. What do you got, Tom? All right. Very original. No one's going to expect this answer whatsoever. Can be mind blown here. Crisis suits. Yeah. <laughs> Bring it back. <laughs> no, in all seriousness, though, <laughs> I mean, I'm never, I'm never leaving crisis suits. Like when, when Harper was texting me, he's like, yeah. So you're, getting, you're going away from crisis suits? Absolutely not. I went from 21 to 17. He's like, what? Yep. Still got 17. But um, honestly, in all seriousness, to answer that question, um, actually, I, I, I've been looking at Sunshark Bombers. I'm thinking about bringing one. Oh, those are cool. Um, I kind of like uh, I, I like some stuff Ganya has been doing. I don't really like how he's using Farsight Enclaves to give him that automatic mark light when 66% of the time they, they get him anyways. But um, with uh, some of these secondaries allowing some of these top factions to play very passively, and this is something I learned from the practice with Brad, I can't really just expect my suits, especially with the, the price hike. I, I run even less shield drones now. And I have a little bit less body, so I can't afford to just go in the middle like I used to and just take the hit and expect to deliver one like harder. So I, I'm going to probably drop down to 15 suits and, and bring in a bomber because between that and the one squad with airburst again, I can really try to bully and cut holes between in the sisters and, and Eldar, which they went from my some easy matches in the last session to probably two of my toughest matches right now. Huh. Yeah, I, I like that answer too. Uh, we had. We had Ganyo on. Was it last week that Ganyo was on, or two weeks ago? It's two weeks ago, and the, we talked. We talked some serious Sun Shark. So uh, I'm on board with that. I think that's going to be a cool choice moving forward. Oh, I'll have to pull up that episode and listen to it. Oh yeah, you need to. You need to. You, you, you're our biggest fan, man. You're the you're the first three P. Three P. You're the three P, man. I, the funny thing is, I, I had like so many podcasts trying to get me get me on after ACO, and I was like, I don't want to do podcasts right now. But uh, when you messaged me for this, I was like, you know what? I literally think this is the best podcast out there. I love the concept. I love, I love the the host of it, Blake. I mean, that <laughs> co-host Brad is kind of an asshole. But you know what? You have to sometimes think to go with the bad. Uh, but in all seriousness, no, I think you guys honestly run the best podcast. Um, there's never going to be a time I'll tell this podcast to ever know because uh, I love you guys. Really try to help people get better. You have great content, bring on the great people. So um, I'm glad you're back on here. I'm glad to be the first three Pete. First, first three Pete, baby. Pete. I'm gonna I'm gonna purposely lose a game soon just to be on here. <laughs> Tom's gonna be in the finals on stream and then just move all of his models off of He's gonna look dead in the eyes and be like, you know, we have to end this, Brad. It off. We have to end this with the ACO stream oh, promise we made God. each other. So again, a couple of drinks in. Tom and I come up with, and I'll I'll abridge this so because we can end with it. We literally say that we're going to read each other our fluff for our units for the full time of the game. Like, okay, here's my army. And then basically read the entire thing for Eldrad or whatever your own model is. 
If we got put on a stream against each other, it doesn't matter what round. We had made his promise to do this. And we're going to do something like, I even, we were coming up with the funniest stuff. And at one point, like, Brad's going to start off and give me, like, this really epic speech about his, like, his little custom farce here. And I was, I was like, all right, dude, I got to go to the bathroom, right? And I was going to leave my mic on, but you're going to hear me back, like, all right, Tom, get yourself together. Brad's delivery was amazing. He was fantastic. Get yourself <laughs> together, Tom. You got to deliver this fluff. You got this. You got this. Your fluff is just as good as his. And we were going to do it for the entire time. And then at the end, be like, oh, man, we forgot to play the game. Oh, man, we're out of time. Let's just D6 it. Yeah, let's just roll off and see who won. And we had promised each other in our friendship if that we went on a stream, we were doing that. And no one was stopping us. And we didn't have a stream that week. Three hours of three hours of fluff reading. There have been some people who really would tune in for that, I think. So The best part, though, is that it would never happen because Brad decided he lost like round one or round two or something like that. You know, and Brad, <laughs> Brad was trying to submarine me is what he Sometimes was. Sometimes you're going to scrub out. <laughs> well, thanks for coming on, man. Uh, we'll get you on. You're going to be the first four, Pete, I hope. So, um, 100%. Well, you've been if winning you too another- much, man. You've been winning too much. I can't get you on. I couldn't even get you on to, as a loser for this show to get you on as a three-peat. <laughs> so uh, we, had, no, we had to compromise. Happen. If you get another three-peat, I will lose my next tournament on purpose to Good. be on here. Okay. Deal. We're doing it. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Make sure to check out our other podcast, Yard War Vanilla with Nick Nanavati and Paul Murphy. We have the very Australian Art of War Down Under with the late and great Adam Camilleri. We, of course, are the Art of War Pistachio, the flavor you didn't know you loved until you tried it. Thanks for listening and join us next week. Like what you just listened to? Check out Art of War and the Art of War Down Under podcast on the competitive 40K network. The Art of War 40K.com.